Father, we come before you this, this morning and we come trusting in you, Lord. We come recognizing you are God and there is no other God. You are over all things and we need not fear. And we thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the opportunity that we can have do this live streaming. And we pray specifically, Lord, in view of the concerns that we uh, see all around us. So first, we ask that in your mercy, you would help stop this uh, pandemic and save lives, not only in our communities, but around the world, uh, specifically in places that don't have uh, the ability to uh, deal with this uh, virus um, as well as others. And so we pray for them. Uh, We ask for your grace upon uh, President Trump and the governmental leaders as well. Um, You give them wisdom and direct them and help them, Father, as they seek to uh, respond wisely. And so we we ask for your grace with them. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to teach us to number our days as well. This, This is a reminder that we are not in control, but you are in control. And as we recognize that, we see that you are the Lord over all things. And so we pray, Father, that you would help us and you'd give us grace and help and assistance in time of need. And so may you be with us and may you help us, Lord, as we uh, go to uh, your word here as well. Um, Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for... uh, your word, may you uh, lead us and help us. Uh, these uh, technological difficulties would uh, not continue and that we would uh, be able to do this smoothly. Um, but if not, we'll continue to, to do it for your glory. And so help us, Lord, we pray all this uh, for your namesake and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, this, this past week... As you well know, was surely a whirlwind for many. Our nation went from going on with really business as usual to, at least mostly business as usual, to schools closing, churches having to decide whether to meet or not, which, you know, that's exactly what we had to do as well. We had to think through that and reevaluate what to do. Um, Large gatherings have been canceled, the NBA canceled their entire season and, and more. I'm sure that many of you could give your own, you know, stories of how, how this has happened and uh, things that have camp- canceled as well. So, so, what, so the question is, what are we to think about this? Well, we must be wise. We must be discerning. We must be Christ-like. God is still in control. His plans are still pressing forward. And his children are still his children. And so we say this again, uh, or we we, uh, saw this, you know, again and again uh, from Habakkuk. So uh, maybe a little more than a month ago, I preached through the book of Habakkuk. And we continually saw that God is in control. And what do we see again and again there? Well, in God's good providence... We began the year, and I just, I think about that fact right there. We began the year with Habakkuk, not knowing that all this was going to happen and everything else, but we began the year with the theme of Habakkuk before us. In the midst of confusing times, 
the righteous shall live by faith. And so, right there, I mean, do not even see in that uh, the Lord's goodness and His grace and already preparing us for things that we had no idea were coming uh, this year. Now, in the Gospel of John also, uh, we have seen this. We have seen God, he, has, he was and is sovereignly orchestrating all of history that at the right time, the eternal word made flesh would be made flesh. And then we saw prophecy after prophecy foretelling the Messiah. And now, in John chapter 1, we have seen what? We have seen fulfillment after fulfillment. The Messiah has come. And so... Friends, even now, do not believe in a God who looks at what is going on around us and is saying, oh man, what do I do now? Well, his plans are not in flux. We believe in the God to whom belong wisdom and might, him who changes times and seasons, him who removes kings And sets up kings. Him who tells the end from the beginning. Him who says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my good purpose. So we believe this even now. And so let us follow Christ. Let us do as he calls us to do. uh, To be wise and respond well with uh, spirit-led discernment as well. Even as we unabashedly in proclaiming the one and the only gospel. And so, this morning we turn then, as we have been walking through the gospel of John, even as I've just said, uh, we turn then to our next passage in the gospel of John, and we continue to see him who is yet ever still the hope of the nations. That has not changed, and it will never change. And so we see Jesus Here in the Gospel of John, he now takes center stage in this Gospel. And so, we'll be looking specifically this morning at John chapter 1, verse 35 through 51. And so, I'll give you a moment to turn there. uh, But may the Lord help us and keep us and, and help us to see all that God's good word says this morning. May he bless the reading of his word. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned, and he saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, 
which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite! in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. These verses, they form a transition in the Gospel of John As we have been walking through it, we have seen great emphasis in verses 19 through 34 on John the Baptist. And so, in some ways, he has been uh, center stage, but not center stage. But we see here specifically that there is a transition now to the one whom John was bearing witness. So, with this transition, there is also a transferring. So, a transferring of... Uh, disciples that you know John had to now these disciples transferring to Jesus and so as John's disciples are standing with him Jesus walks by and and John again he announces behold the Lamb of God and so two of John's disciples they rather immediately they hear this and they leave John and they go and follow Jesus so here we see again just how devoted to directing people to Christ John the Baptist was. And so if you're taking notes here, this will be uh, your first, the first point that we see here. We see the influence of John's witness. The influence of John's witness. So at this point, John definitely had a following. So upon seeing these two disciples uh, step out and away from following him to follow Jesus, what we don't see is we don't see uh, John go, what's going on here? Hey, come back. You know, we don't see him hurrah and complaining on his part. You know, John, he does not, he does not do that. He doesn't cling to his, his disciples. He knew he had them and to whom he was to direct them to. It is a testimony to John's life and preaching that they felt free to just to leave John and to follow Jesus. He had told them, and they had heard it from him again and again, him who is worthy is coming, 
And he comes that all may believe in him. And they'd heard his message again and again. And so what a demonstration of the influence and the singular emphasis of John. Now, many today are known for a different sort of influence. Now, it's, it's not bad to like all variety of things. You know, you know I do. If, if you know me well, uh, I like movies and all kinds of books and all kinds of things. But, you know, you may like theater or books like me or history like me or you're, maybe you're, you do carpentry or cooking or movies or whatever. But uh, for some, it isn't that we simply like certain things. But we are mainly known for liking those things. We are known more for delighting in God's gifts, but not in the giver himself, not in the one who gives us those good gifts. It may be that we delight in what job we have, in our stuff, or how athletic we are, or our favorite sports team, above Jesus. Well, we delight in what we like over and above the one that we say has a name that is above every name. And so, I want to encourage you to consider your influence. Consider your influence. What is it about you that influences people most? It's been said that the average person you know, influences around 10,000 people in their lifetime. And so the, the question is not if you will influence people, but towards what or towards whom will you influence them? And in view of that, may we be a people that influence others like John. He labored and he longed for people to be drawn more to Christ than to him. If you can know anything about me, I love Jesus. And I am about Jesus. So, do people know that about you? You know, they may have many ways of saying it. But, you know, some people, they know the real deal. You know, they look out and they say, you know, well, that person right there, he, he's a real Christian. You know, she's, she's really serious about her faith. You know, he loves, he loves Jesus. I mean, she, she is the real deal. Well, what, well, let me ask you, would they, would they say that? Or even be able to say that about you? So, as we look and continue here in, in these verses, we see understandably here that Jesus, he sees these two men you know, following him. And really, as any one of us would, he asks, you know, what are you seeking? Well, on that day, you know, the disciples, uh, so there weren't just disciples like in the way we know it. There were many people who, uh, rabbis who had a following and teach, uh, disciples who would follow them. And they had this disciple-teacher relationship. 
and so it wasn't uncommon that that was the case. Well, disciples would literally follow behind the rabbi or teacher. So this is what they do here. They begin following after and behind Jesus. So on one level, it's natural for us to assume that all of us would ask something like this question if someone were following us. So like, okay, well, uh, can, I, can I help you? Uh, uh, do you need anything? Uh, trying to understand what's going on. So that, that's one level of what this question is doing, but I think there's more going on here than just that. Uh, there's another level to Jesus' question. And so here we see our second point, the heart-examining nature of Jesus' questions. The heart-examining nature of Jesus' questions. So Jesus, he does this again and again in the Gospels, and so he is also doing it here as well. It's a, it's a question within a question. It is asking, can I help you? But it's also asking, and he's asking, what are you really about? Are you truly seeking after me? And so this question, it is set before us in the Gospel of John as a question for these two disciples. Yes. So he is asking on a deeper level, you know, are you really wanting to follow me? But he's also asking you. He's asking us as the hearers of this, what are you seeking? And they, they answer Jesus by asking him where he's staying. So uh, that actually is not that odd. This is indicating that they are serious about following him. They want to know where he goes because they want to learn from him. They want to stay with him. That's what disciples would do. And so they really desired to be his disciples. Um, and that, that is whether they really knew what that meant at this point or not. Uh, so, so Jesus here, he doesn't, he doesn't say to them, he doesn't say, oh, oh well, you know, you want to know where I'm staying? Okay, well, over there on 777 uh, Emmanuel Lane, you can, you can meet me there. That's not, that's not what he, he does, but he, he leaves it to them. Again, emphasizing this uh, self-examining aspect of what Jesus is doing here. Come, and you will see. And so he says to us as well, come, and you will see. So likewise, in the same way then, Jesus desires us to look deeper as well. Jesus calls you to go deeper. If you are listening to this and you know Christ, if you are a disciple of Christ, we who know the Lord, we are to be men and women who get out their shovels and we are to take up the word of God and we are to dig down deep into them. Jesus asks you, dear child, I see that you have my word and you have read it and that is good, but let us go deeper still. Let it seep down into you. Let it expose, let it examine, let it affect your mind, your heart, your life, and all of you that you do. 
So by the Spirit of God, the words of Christ are to lay us bare even now. As you're hearing this, are you letting the Word lay you bare? You are already naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom you will give account. So it's not a matter of the fact of if you are seen and known by God. But it's a matter of are you going to let these words change you to the very core? And so I exhort you, child of God, take up his questions and drink them down completely. Even this morning, he exhorts you to answer his question. He asks you, what are you seeking? And you may fool others, but you cannot fool Jesus. He knows you already. And so, may this be your and my answer. I seek you, Lord. I will come and see, and I will keep coming and keep seeing. You are my portion. Coronavirus, no coronavirus, blessings or no blessings, trials, no trials. You are my life. And I want to follow you. And I will keep seeking you. Dig deep into me and into my heart, into my life. Have it all, Lord. Let that be our response to these Deep questions. And for some, this question is meant to draw you in. You, you may be listening to this and you realize that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know Him. I like gifts and I like good things, but I, I don't know Him. Well, you, you may have done that. You may have sought a good many things, but it, but it has not been Jesus. So Jesus, he, he comes and He bids you, come and you will see. Come to Him who is the Lamb of God, who is able to save you. He came to deal with your shame, that great burden of sin that you carry. He came to bear that upon Himself, that weight of despair, of lostness, of darkness, of sin and guilt before God, He came to bear that upon Himself. And He tells you, I came to bear that for you. Come and you will see. Repent and believe in Me and I will give you life evermore. And He will. And that may be how you need to respond to his questions, saying, I don't know you, but I do come to you and I repent of my sins and I believe all that you say. I believe that you died, you were buried and you rose and again, and you did that for me. That I, all my sins, all my shame, all my guilt would be born upon you and I'd be saved and made right with God. So, the disciples then, they went with Jesus. And we witness 
Here then, the third point as well, the transforming power of Jesus. Transforming power of Jesus. So after coming and seeing Andrew, he excitedly goes and and tells his brother Simon Peter, we have found the Messiah. And so that alone right there uh, is an incredible statement, but what follows is even more incredible. After being brought to Jesus, Jesus, he supernaturally knows Peter, even though he's never met Peter before. So he knows Peter prior to knowing Peter. He just meets this man, and he changes his name. So, you know, every so often, uh, rabbis, they would, during this time, they would change, you know, their disciples' names, but... You know, this, this was often after a good deal of time of getting to know them and learning who they were and uh, you know, knowing their personality. And so, uh, but this is, this is not what Jesus does here. Jesus already knows Peter. At the beginning of their meeting, Jesus names Peter Cephas or Rock. Now at this point, And many times throughout the gospel, we see Peter really as anything but that, right? I mean, he he fumbles and he foibles about, but even though Peter doesn't look like it now, Peter would be a rock. Jesus would fashion and form Peter to be who he would have him be. And so also, friends, may you be fashioned and formed by Jesus. If you follow him, if you are his child, he will change you. It is guaranteed. That is the work that the Spirit of God in Christ will do in believers. So Peter was not a rock yet, but Jesus knew what he would be. He would do that work in Peter. Even though Peter, at this point, he's like, I, I, have, I cannot see that. I don't see that happening. I, I know I'm not a rock, and I don't know what that means, but Jesus knows. So he is doing that work in you also. He's changing you. He's changing his church. And so endeavor to be who you are and who you will be. So what do I mean there? Well, Peter was not a rock yet, but he would be. Jesus has said many things to you, which you are if you know Jesus Christ and you will be. If you know him, you are his child, adopted in him. You are secure and no one will snatch You from his hand, and you are free, crucified in Christ, and now a slave of righteousness, a slave of Christ. You are justified, declared righteous before God, and you are unfinished, but one day you will be finished. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
So endeavor then to be who you are and who you will be. I remember Jen Wilkin. Uh, she's an, an author and uh, a woman's excellent woman's Bible teacher. She once I remember her once saying, "I know I won't be perfect. I know I won't be perfect in this life, but I don't live that way." So often, you know, we we excuse ourselves. Well, we all mess up. I mean, yeah, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We just, and, and that's right. I mean, we, we do mess up. That is true, but we aren't meant to live that way. We are to endeavor to do what? To be who we are and to be who we will be. We are to pursue Christ-likeness. Yes, I know I'm going to sin again, but I don't live that way. And this, this is not permission, perhaps, if you are here and you're thinking, man, you know, well, I'm already living that way. Well, oh, this is not permission for you to embrace your inner Pharisee. If your character and disposition is becoming more and more unfriendly, less merciful, and increasingly unloving, you are endeavoring to many things, but it is not to becoming more like Jesus. Those are not evidences of the Spirit's work in you. It's evidences of something else. You know, I I love this is what my last pastor would say, Dr. Herschel York. Uh, He would say this, he said, we ought to get kinder as we get older, not less. And so often that's exactly not the case. You are already forming in yourself what you will be when you're older. And the Word of God says that you need to make it your pursuit to become more like Christ. That when you are older, you will be more like Him then than you are now. Here also we see a model for us. So, uh, fourthly, their model is our model. Their model is our model. So before the Great Commission, we see Jesus' disciples out of joy. What do they do? Uh, they come out of joy over Jesus. Uh, they begin going about doing this already. They begin excitingly telling others about Jesus, who they found. So Andrew excitedly tells Peter, We have found the Messiah. And he brings Peter to Jesus. And Philip, he finds Nathanael and he tells him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, come and see. (coughs) And they both do. And they both do. They had a glee and a gladness over having met the Messiah. And here he was. And their model is our model. And so may we gladly introduce people to the Savior. As Russell Moore said this week, don't quarantine the Great Commission. We 
surely need to be careful and need to be wise in the midst of all that's going on right now, which we are. That's why we've done what we've done here at Haven. But we also need not cease to be Christians. We are to still seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And we are to do that at home. We are to do that at church. We are to do that at work. We are to do that in our marriages. We are to do that on Facebook. I mean, right now you're going to have a lot of opportunities to engage on social media. Are you acting like Christ in that? And in your response to this virus? So keep inviting Keep telling and keep going after your one. We have made it our our vision this year uh, to reach one person for the sake of Christ. Well, that has not ended. So keep, keep pressing on in that, brothers and sisters. Their model is our model. So upon hearing Jesus say, follow me, Philip He follows Jesus and quickly goes and he tells Nathanael. Now Nathanael is somewhat skeptical here about Jesus. Jesus from Nazareth, a rather small, even obscure obscure city, which there may be a a slight hint of jealousy in Nathanael here. His, where he was from, was also a very small and obscure, obscure uh, city. And so, uh, technically, they both weren't from these great cities. And so, uh, there may be something of that going on here as well. But Philip, as he encounters Nathaniel's skepticism, he doesn't give a reply, except he says, come and see. And, I mean, as an aside, just think about that in your own witness to others. And so Jesus, he greets Nathanael. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And so, in saying this though, Jesus is doing two things here. He is saying something similar to what we just saw of Peter. So, I know you even though I have not met you. So he's, he is saying that as well. But he's also drawing from one passage in Scripture, and he is comparing Nathaniel to one person in Scripture. So the passage is Psalm 32.2, and the biblical character is Jacob. So why Jacob? Well, we'll get to that and see that more expressly here in a moment. But Jacob, he was a man who was deceitful, right? He was deceptive. But here, Nathaniel is a man in whom there is no deceit. He is authentic and sincere. But, you know, naturally, as you would expect, Nathaniel is still unsure. So he hears this, and uh, of course, it's taking him aback. And he wonders, how do you know me? Well, Jesus answers here, and his answer changes Nathaniel's life forever. I mean, this is one sentence. And Nathaniel goes from a skeptic to a disciple. He says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I know we could be tempted here to speculate of what Jesus means here of this. 
We could probably do that all day, but, you know, the true answer is we really don't know exactly what Jesus is referring to here. Except whatever Nathaniel was doing, Jesus knew that. And Nathaniel is blown away. Nathaniel, under that fig tree, whether it was something he was thinking, something that was going on in his heart at that moment, even a prayer that he was offering up to God, Jesus is saying, I knew what you were saying there, what was going on there under that fig tree. And he is blown away. And so he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. I mean, what an answer. And he's right. Here is him who is the promised Davidic king from 2 Samuel 7. Here is him who is, in our fifth point here, son of God and son of man. Here is him who is son of God and son of man. So Nathaniel, in saying all this, he said more than he knows here. He is probably mainly referring here to Jesus as the Son of God, as in Messiah, like Davidic King, but this title would mean more than that. Indeed, it means this is the divine, eternal Son. And so Jesus himself calls uh, himself here the Son of Man. And he is referring here to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, where it speaks of this, the Son of Man. And what, is it, what does it say there? It says, uh, Daniel says, <clears throat> I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is that Son of Man. Incredible. Right there. Just worship the Lord. Now, Jesus makes one last point here as well. Now I said that He's referring to Jacob, and I said I would explain that later. Well, we've come. In Genesis 28, Jacob, he has a dream where he sees a ladder going from the earth to heaven with angels ascending and descending on it. So in Genesis 28, God, he shows Jacob all this and he, to say this, my promises that I made to Abraham... Through him, all the nations would be blessed. Through his offspring, all nations would be blessed. He said that is going to come now through you, Jacob. It's continuing through you. And so now, here, what is Jesus doing? He is aligning himself with the very fulfillment of these promises. What we're seeing here is that Jesus is the ladder. 
He would be the one, the latter through whom the promises of Abraham would be fulfilled. Only through him, any and all who are in Christ may be, as Galatians says, Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And so Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The fulfillment of God's word has come. The offspring has come. That through him, life would come to lost and broken sinners like you and me. How glorious is our Savior and what glorious things He brings to pass. And you know what? He will do greater things even still. Even as we are face to face with confusing times, even as a virus has thrown the world awry, friends, we who know Christ take up the words of Habakkuk and say, let the righteous Live by faith. We have a gospel still to preach. There is still work to be done. Hope is not lost, and we have a hope, and that a hope that a hope that cannot and will not fail or falter. Ever. And we believe that. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or coronavirus? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I believe that. May we believe that. Let's pray. Father, we come before you This morning, and we thank you for your word. Thank you that we could have this time to to get into your word. And rightly so, we come trusting in you, leaning upon you, not panicking, not afraid, because we know you are God and you are in control. When we are afraid, we put our trust in you. And we trust you, Lord. And so we look to you, Lord, this day and whatever days it is to come. We look to you and all these things. We love you. We thank you for your word. And pray, Father, uh, right now, if there's anyone listening to this who needs to respond, they would respond to your word this morning, uh, whether that means they need to repent or they need to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn to him by faith. May they do that, Lord. Just because they're hearing this here, this doesn't mean, even as we've seen, that we 
we do need to examine ourselves. We need to ask those deep questions. We need to take to heart God's word. And so may you help us to do that right now. And so, Father, may you be with those listening. Be with us at Haven Baptist Church. Give us grace. Help us to continue to press on as followers of Christ, shining of Christ to the lost world. And so we love you. We thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.